The 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich has been talked about by people in many different ways, but first and foremost, she's the author of an extraordinary text, The Revelations, which is the earliest known text authored by a woman in English. Personally, she has been a friend and companion in my Christian life for over 30 years. I'm the Reverend David Simmons, Episcopal priest and oblate in the Order of Julian of Norwich. Thank you for joining me as we read and pray through the works of this extraordinary woman of faith and explore what she has to teach us about God's love. Hello, and welcome to chapter 64 of Love Was His Meaning, Reading and Praying with Julian of Norwich. As we get started this morning, let's pray the little office that is linked to in the description. Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let's join together in Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. He shall say to the Lord, You are my refuge and my stronghold, my God in whom I put my trust. He shall deliver you from the snare of the hunter and from the deadly pestilence. He shall cover you with his pinions, and you shall find refuge under his wings. His faithfulness shall be a shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of any terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, of the plague that stalks in the darkness, nor of the sickness that lays waste at midday, a thousand shall fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Your eyes have only to behold to see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, and the Most High your habitation, there shall no evil happen to you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone." You shall tread upon the lion and the adder. You shall trample the young lion and the serpent under your feet. Because he is bound to me in love, therefore will I deliver him. I will protect him, because he knows my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I am with him in trouble. I will rescue him and bring him to honor. With long life will I satisfy him, to show him my salvation. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let us pray a prayer of Julian together. O God of your goodness, give me yourself, for you are enough to me, and I can ask for nothing that is less that can be full honor to you. And if I ask anything that is less, I shall always be in want, for only in you have I all. Amen. All right, so here we are at chapter 64. Chapter 64 begins a new part of the Revelations. This is, uh, whereas we've been in uh, largely in commentary uh, since chapter 44, we're now up to uh, what people generally consider the 15th Revelation, uh, which is sometimes uh, called uh, the joy of heaven is, is how it can be subtitled. Before this time, by the gift of God, I had a great yearning and desire to be delivered from this world and from this life, for frequently I beheld the woe that is here, and the well-being and the bliss that exists there. And even if there had been no pain in this life except the absence of our Lord, it seemed to me that that was sometimes more than I could bear. And this absence made me mourn, 
and earnestly yearn, and also my own misery, sloth, and weakness, so that I had no delight in living or laboring as it fell to me to do. To all this our gracious Lord answered for the sake of comfort and patience, and he said these words, Without warning thou shalt be taken from all thy pain, from all thy sickness, from all thy distress, and from all thy woe, and thou shalt come up above, and thou shalt have me for thy reward, and thou shalt be filled full of love and bliss, and thou shalt never have any manner of pain, nor any manner of sickness, nor any manner of displeasure, nor any lack of will, but always joy and bliss without end. Why then would it bother thee to suffer a while, seeing that it is my will and to my honor? In this word, without warning thou shalt be taken, I saw that God rewards man for the patience that he has in awaiting God's will, and for his lifetime, if that man extends his patience over the time of his life, because of not knowing the time of his passing away. This is a great benefit, for if a man knew the time of his passing, he would not have patience concerning that time. Also God wills that while the soul is in the body, it should seem to itself that it is always at the moment of being taken. For all this life and this languishing that we have here is only a moment, and then we are taken without warning out of pain into bliss, and then the pain shall have been nothing. At this time I saw a body lying on the earth which appeared thick and ugly and fearsome, without shape and form, as it were a bloated heap of stinking mire, and suddenly out of this body sprang a most fair creature, a tiny child, well-shaped and formed, quick and lively, whiter than a lily which neatly glided up into heaven. The bloatedness of the body symbolizes the great misery of our mortal flesh, and the tininess of the child symbolizes the clearness and purity of our soul. And I considered, with this body remained none of the fairness of the child, nor in this child did there remain any foulness of the body. It is most blessed for man to be taken from pain, more than for pain to be taken from man. For if pain is taken from us, it can come again. Therefore, it is an unequaled comfort and a blessed awareness for a loving soul that we shall be taken from pain. For in this promise, I saw a merciful compassion that our Lord has to us in our woe and a gracious promise of pure deliverance. For he wills that we be comforted in surpassing joy. And that he showed in these words, And thou shalt come up to above, and thou shalt have me for thy reward, and thou shalt be filled full of joy and bliss. It is God's will that we fix the point of our concentration on this blessed sight as often as we can and for as long a time as we can keep ourselves therein with His grace. For this is a blessed contemplation for the soul that is guided by God and very much to its honor for the time that it lasts. And when we fall again into ourselves by sluggishness and spiritual blindness and the experiencing of spiritual and bodily pains because of our frailty, it is God's will that we recognize that He has not forgotten us. And this, he means in these words, he says for the sake of comfort, And thou shalt never more have pain, nor any manner of sickness, nor any manner of pleasure, nor lack of will, but ever joy and bliss without end. Why should it bother thee to suffer a while, seeing that it is my will and to my honor? It is God's will that we accept his promises and his comfortings as broadly and as powerfully as we can receive them. And he also wills that we accept our waiting and our distress as lightly as we can take them, and pay no attention to them, for the more lightly we take them, and the less value we place on them for the sake of love, the less pain we shall have in experiencing them, and the more favor and regard we will have because of them.
So uh, what we have here is a reflection on uh, mortality and pain and sickness. Um, uh, Julian is, this is autobiographical, this first part where she's talking about, I had a great yearning and desire to be delivered from this world. Um, Julian is undergoing what, what you might call a dark night of the soul, uh, probably in, in several points in her life, um, accompanied by some severe physical pain. I mean, we certainly know that the context of what she's receiving these revelations in uh, is the the sickness that she prayed for that would bring her near to death, um, but but not ultimately uh, take her away from life. And uh, so she's in quite a bit of pain and suffering um, at this point. Um, so she, she's not just making some sort of pie-in-the-sky thing say, thing about the, the nature of suffering. She's speaking out of kind of a deep well of suffering that she has probably experienced in her life, both physical and spiritual. And she talks about this idea of, without warning, we will be taken away from all pain, from all our sickness, from all our distress. You know, at, at the end of our lives, it, it all goes away. And it's the remembrance of it is, is as nothing. Uh, and I, you know, uh, you have to be careful here. What she's not saying is, is that pain doesn't mean anything or that it, it doesn't have any straw, uh, any draw on us or that we're, um, we, we should just completely ignore it. Uh, what she's saying is, uh, in the long view, and she spends a lot of time in the long view, in the long view, what we experience as pain and suffering will, f- will feel like nothing you know, in the long term of our eternity with God in bliss. Uh, and God rewards humanity for the patience that we have in awaiting God's will and for our lifetime because we don't know the time of our passing. You know, nobody gets to number the number of their lives. So therefore, you know, we have patience uh, as we await uh, the, 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 the end of our lives and the end of, of uh, suffering. For all this life and this languishing that we have here is only a moment. And then we're taken without warning out of pain and bliss, and pain shall have been nothing. And then she has this vision of a body lying on the earth, which appeared thick and ugly and fearsome without shape and form as if it were a bloated heap of stinking mire. So um, uh, there's a couple of uh, commentaries here. Uh, uh, Watson Jenkins says um, this might be, you know, you could think of this if you remember back to that exemplar of the the servant and the um, and the and the king that we went through that had we went over for chapters and chapters and chapters. Um, this could be the body of the servant, you know, the, that is is has tripped is in the pit and is awaiting salvation. Um, Santa also Santa suggests um, you know that, that that this would be kind of analogous to the body of somebody who's died in the plague, which Julian would have seen repeatedly. Um, so that's, you know, part of her, part of her deep well of suffering that she brings to this entire reflection uh, is the three times that the plague went through Norwich during her lifetime uh, and the number of people that, that, that she knew and loved that probably died according to the plague. But so she has this, you know, this idea of the, um, the 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 corpse that the the child springs from and this is actually not an unusual illustration in medieval thought um, several other of the um, medieval writers use this particular illustration of of the child as as the, the person's soul uh, and go, certainly going back to Julian's idea of the the part of us that is never touched by sin um, is is certain certainly here. You can't take too much about. Uh, you have to be careful about this because uh, it's not actually our our body that is uh, is going here. She's talking about our 
uh, she doesn't compare our bodies to the stinging ha- heap of mire. That is the, the, the part of our human nature that is unredeemed, the part of us that is, is, is touched by sin. So it's, it's, this is all metaphorical here. Um, it's most blessed for us to be taken from pain than more than for pain to be taken from humanity. So what she's saying here is, uh, yeah, you know, we pray for God to take away the pain, but um, God takes away the pain. The pain can return. It's more blessed that the, the the more blessed of the two things that happen to us is when God takes us away from the pain, uh, because it can never more return, and then we are in eternal bliss, um, and we should be, be taken completely for pain. For uh, she saw the mercy and compassion that the Lord has to us in our woe, and His gracious promise of pure deliverance. And when we fall again into ourselves by sluggishness and spiritual blindness. It is God's will that we recognize that he has not forgotten us. Um, so we're, we're to wait. I mean, that's, that's kind of what she's, her, her, her response to the question of suffering here is that she doesn't really have an answer. Uh, she never really has an answer as to why suffering exists. Uh, Christianity doesn't really answer that to some extent. I mean, sometimes we talk about uh, being in unity with the suffering of our Lord, but that's not really the reason why. Um, some other religions, such as Buddhism, say suffering is ephemeral and is is illusory. Um, Julian's not going to go there. Um, it's not that it's illusory, it's that it's temporary. Um, and that uh, we accept our waiting and our distress as lightly as we can take them, and she puts a qualifier in there, um, saying, you know, sometimes suffering is real, and it's harder to take it lighter. Um, but uh, at the end, uh, the less pain, we sh- if we t- the lighter we're able to take it, the less pain we'll have in experiencing them, and the more favor and regard we will have because of them. Um, so just uh, a reminder, once again, of, of the long-term way that, that Julian looks at all of this and saying, it, you know, the, the suffering and the woe comes to an end and then there is nothing left but, but bliss and, um, and love uh, throughout eternity. Let's continue with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen bid your prayers for the people of Eastern Europe, particularly those in Ukraine, and also your prayers for all those on our parish prayer list. And I invite you to add your prayers silently or aloud at this time. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. 
Most holy Lord, the ground of our beseeching, who through your servant St. Julian revealed the wonder of your love, grant that as we are created in your nature and restored by your grace, our wills may be so made one with yours that we may come to see you face to face and gaze on you forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning again today. Um, we will see you next time. Until then, take care and God bless. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning today. This podcast is generally available once a week on Thursday. The text of Julian's Revelations used in this podcast is The Complete Julian by Father John Julian Swanson OJN and is used by permission of the Order of Julian of Norwich. The theme music is Julian of Norwich by Bombadil and is used under license.